Ion 2020 episode 174. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020, the place that you come to Monday through Friday for the news, all the events, all those things that are going on in the 2020 election. Thank you so much for joining me today on this Tuesday, the day after Labor Day. I appreciate you and uh, hope you had a good Labor Day weekend. I certainly did. What I ended up doing is, uh, you know, you guys know I've been helping out my family, my uh, in-laws. They have this house up in Tennessee that they just bought, and it needs a whole lot of work. So I've been out there working on that thing, uh, helping them out over the weekend. Took my whole family up there, my wife and my two kids, and uh, cruised on up there and did a lot of framing and stuff like that. This house needs a lot of work, and it has a bunch of property as well. So we did some lawn mowing and stuff, helping out my father-in-law. Uh, he's just trying to get that thing ready for retirement. So didn't do anything too fun or exciting this particular weekend. I just went out there and took that extra three-day weekend in order to get out there and really bust. I mean, it was <laughs> busted our butts, man. It was hard work, uh, just sweating. I mean, it was hot and sweaty and everything, but it was worth it. I think that it's just going to be fun to get out there with your family and uh, let the kids see what good work good work ethic is all about. They spend a lot of time... Uh, the kids, you know, I, I have two younger kids and they spent a lot of time out there uh, hammering nails and trying to get, you know, two by fours that we, we did a lot of demolition a couple weeks back. So we spent some time, had them hammering nails and had them out there picking up rocks and stuff and making sure that the yard looks good. I mean, they were just busting their butts as well. And, and it's really nice when you get your kids out there working because it lets them see what real work ethic is all about, especially nowadays with kids. I don't know if you, have, I don't know if any of y'all have kids, or whatever, but uh, you see a lot of kids out there just playing video games all the time. They don't spend a lot of time in doing outside activities and stuff. And I try to get my kids out there on a regular basis to do outside activities. But the main thing is is teaching them good work ethic. That's what I was. That's what this weekend was all about was teaching the kids work ethic. Because usually, if it's Labor Day weekend, we get down to the beach, we go down to, or we go up to the mountains, we do you know fun stuff. And this was definitely not fun stuff for them. This was hard work stuff and that's that's good. It's good to get your kids out there and do some hard work. Hard work. And for me, I mean, I was sore three days in a row waking up just feeling feeling uh feeling the ache, taking some Advil and just getting out there and busting busting it. But now I am back. I actually pre-recorded Monday's episode. That was yesterday's episode. I pre-recorded that and uh here I am with another episode for you guys. And the main the main news this weekend over the Labor Day weekend was this hurricane, the hurricane that's coming through Florida. It's just kind of like stalled out down there and stuff. And uh, hopefully anyone that's going through that, hopefully uh, nobody's getting hurt or anything like that. I mean, it's category five. I mean, that's terrible. I lived in Florida all my life and we just saw hurricanes all the time. So uh, now that I live in South Carolina, we don't see as many of them. But it seems like every year around September, you're starting to see I mean, the hurricanes just come around and stuff, and uh, they'll cancel school for the kids for the week if they have something coming. Because the way the place that I live is a is a place where people evacuate 
during all these storms. And so they'll end up canceling school for the kids like Wednesday and Thursday, I'm sure. Or maybe even Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for the people that are going to be evacuating to the schools. Uh, but hopefully anyone that's out there, please stay safe, uh, especially anyone, any of you that do live in Florida or along these coastal areas because it seems like they might get hit pretty hard. Uh, good thing that the so far the eye has stayed pretty much off the coast. And the main damage is what the north... I think it's the northeastern side of the storm is usually where the main damage is, and that's going to be over the Atlantic Ocean, so that's a good thing. Uh, maybe some of these smaller islands out there and stuff. Uh, definitely the Bahamas is getting torn up, and hopefully they'll stay safe as well. So uh, just keep them in your prayers and your thoughts, and uh, you know, definitely this week, especially if this thing ends up turning towards the west, you're definitely going to see some major damage from a Category 5 hurricane. But uh, that's the main news that you see over the weekend. I mean, it's just, uh, that's it. And then they had this Texas shooter that came out as well. Uh, this shooting that happened, I guess it was a, a trucker that got laid off from his job and ended up calling 911 is what I heard. And then all of a sudden, uh, this guy is out there having shootouts with the cops. And then he goes around and just starts, you know, aimlessly shooting people. That's just crazy absolutely crazy man um the news covered it a little bit but it wasn't 24 hours seven day a week news coverage over this whole thing um you know 24 hours a day just on you know gun rates and taking away guns and taking you know doing all that all the normal hoopla that you see over when there's something like this that happens it's a tragic event and it's absolutely terrible um the thing that i want to say about this is i mean I don't know how you guys feel about this, but the, I mean, with the storm and all, it seems like they're not covering this whole shooting 24-7, but, and they had all, I mean, the, the, the news has to kind of weigh things, right? And, and the main thing that people are, that's going to keep people watching is this whole hurricane coverage, right? But this whole shooting, I mean, this Texas shooter, it's just, I mean, absolutely terrible thing that happened, and... um I don't know what to make of this stuff because it just continuously happens. And maybe it's the fact that there's a 24-hour news coverage that causes people to think that these things happen so often. And maybe they've always kind of happened on a regular basis where you have shootouts like this. But I don't know if that's the case, that there's always just been shootouts like this, right? Where you have five, six, seven, 22 people shot at, seven, six or seven people dead. Like, I don't know that that's a normal thing. And I'm just... I'm sure there's hundreds of reasons why, and every person is an individual, so they're going to have their individual reason why they would do something like this. The news was framing it as a AR-15 style rifle, which if you look at a you know an AR-15 style rifle, that could be a rifle that you would use to go hunting with. That's been termed or decide that someone customized it to look like an AR-15. It might be one that they bought that looks like an AR-15. Um, I mean, all it is is a it's a specific type of rifle, and uh, it could have a scope on it. It could be anything. I don't know. I mean, it could have an extended clip on it. Who knows? But that's the way they're going to try to tr frame it as it was an eight. AR-15 style rifle, which there's hundreds of different styles that it can be, but it could be, it's just that type of barrel, I think is what it is. It's a .223 caliber barrel, I think is what it is. Um, I don't know too much about guns. I'm not a gun expert, you know, uh, but it just seems to me that they're they're trying to make it more than it is on the whole, you know, to frame it as a 
AR-15 style rifle. That's that's what it sounds like to me. Um, I don't I don't know. That's the way the news media is going to portray it, right? But there's way more to this whole, not this story particularly, but I, my, my thoughts on it that I've been trying to I've been trying to put it down. We're in the culture that we live in today. So think about the Roman times, right? The Romans, over time, they built up this idea of having these huge coliseums and having these gladiator fights and people killing each other for sport and all that. Like, it just grew into this big thing. But if you look at our culture today, watch Netflix for a while. Watch the, the, the big shows that are out there where everyone's, everyone's tuning in, right? There's violence. There's murder. There's intrigue. There's things that are going on. There's this one show in particular that I was thinking about called The Following. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen it. I think it lasted three or four seasons. And my wife and I, we started watching that show. And the whole theme of the show was that there's this cult leader that ends up having people, like people that are his followers, start doing like mass murders for to to portray fear in the in the people around them and it turned out that this guy had lots and lots of followers all over america somehow that were like fans of his because he wrote books and that they would go out there and just do these mass murders and stuff and i don't think that there's really that like when i was watching that show i was like yeah right this could never happen there's not gonna be one person that can have this whole cult following of people that would go out and do this stuff for him or on his behalf but the idea behind the show is that we're glamorizing, you know, evil and murder and things like that. But I don't think that there's so many people out there that would that that a show like that can be happening in real life per se. But you gotta think about like the Columbine killing, right? Those kids did something and then every killing every mass shooting in schools since then. The kids that did it, you can see them hearkening back to the Columbine killing. So there's something within that culture, like the maybe the kids that are the outcasts in the school. Like there's got to be something going on in those people's minds that they would look at somebody like the Columbine shooters or every other mass shooting within a school, and they look at those people as kind of like a hero, an anti you know an anti-hero, I guess is the term that you would use, right? And they look at those as like the heroes of their little outcast groups, maybe? I don't know. But they hearken back to those people as like heroes in their writings or something, you know? You hear about that. And then also like the guy that did the shooting in Las Vegas, like he's looked at as a hero in some countercultural movements or something like that. I mean, it's like, how can you look at those people as a hero? Me, I would never think of something like that or somebody like that as a hero. You think of them as sick individuals. But there's a cultural element to this, and it's just, I mean, it blows my mind that someone could do that. Now, I don't say this guy that did this thing in Texas, I don't know that he was planned. There, there's not a lot of story, you know, there's not a lot going on in this situation, but... Like, I don't even think they released his name as of the last news news thing. The last news article that I read, they didn't release his name. They said they didn't want to give him, you know, all this attention. But obviously that name comes out at some point, right? And I don't know if he's like, he had some type of agenda or if it was just like an emotional break at that point for this guy. Who knows? But a lot of people in like the 
maybe the white nationalist movement look at this guy that uh, who is the guy that did the mass shooting at a church in Charleston, right? Is there a cultural movement behind him, like a countercultural movement behind him that looks at like looks at him as like a hero in their world? I don't know. I don't know. I just it, these things just these these mass shootings they they just get me thinking about stuff and it doesn't get me thinking about the government stepping in and taking people's guns. It doesn't get me thinking like that. Obviously the politicians are going to hearken to that, right? The politicians are going to say, we need to take away guns. We need to make stronger gun laws. We need to do this. We need to do that. I think of it as a cultural thing. I just think to myself, where have we come to as a nation? Where have we come to as a society where this stuff happens on a regular basis, I mean, why, why do people do that? That's what I keep on thinking to myself. I said, I said this during the last, a month ago during the last mass shooting that they had in Texas. Why would someone do something like this? I mean, this guy seems like he had a, and he just, he just, he gets fired from his job and all of a sudden he breaks down and just starts gunning people down. I mean, that's just crazy. I don't know if you remember. Back in, I think it was in the 90s, there was like the, the, you know, you ever heard the term going postal? The reason why you get that is because there was like multiple postal employees get fired and all of a sudden they go in and start shooting up the, shooting up the post office and start shooting people at the post office. There's something going on though. I mean, there's something going on that would cause people to break like that. I just don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It's not politicians are going to fix that though. It has to come from a cultural thing. And is it... The TV shows we watch, the video games that we play, you always hear people say, you know, it's not that, whatever, but there's, we do, we, we glamorize violence, we glamorize that type of stuff in our culture, so I don't say the government needs to get in there and step in and make it illegal, I don't think the government needs to ban that stuff, don't say, think I'm saying that, it's that we need to demand better TV, or better media, I guess, the media will supply what we demand, right? And if we, if they see that a show like The Following has like this huge appeal, then they're going to produce more shows like that. We glamorize like the Sons of Anarchy, right? A, a gang that goes around and they're willing to kill people and do things that are bad. We glamorize that stuff. So they give us more of it. That's what they're going to do. So as a culture, we need to start changing that. That's the only solution that I think like, I mean, if... If even 10% of these shootings are caused because of that or because of the way that we glamorize it in our culture, then that's something that we should probably change as a culture. I don't know. I just don't know the whole solution, but it doesn't need to be a government approach. It needs to be us demanding as a group those, you know, better, better TV, better media, better journalism, better everything. But, I mean, like Rome... Over time, like the people demanded more killings and they built bigger and better facilities to make that happen. And that's what we've come to, I guess, in, in our country. I don't know. I don't know. But that's, that's, that's half the show, guys. That's what I want to talk about for half the show was that particular incident. Because that's, that's all that happened over the weekend. That's the big news that the government or that the that the media is spending about half the time on the other half of the time is all hurricane all day it seems like to me and i didn't have a lot of time to spend watching the news all weekend so i was 
lifting wood and I was cutting wood and I was hammering nails and I was pulling nails and I was doing yard work and I was getting this house ready uh, so that hopefully my in-laws can retire in a year or so and have this house ready to go. That's pretty much what I did. Um, now, I have been covering for the last, what was it, four days last week, I covered the politi- their politicians and the, or the candidates that are going to be in the next debate. You got a debate coming up September 12th. And I was covering all those candidates. I covered Bernie Sanders. I covered Elizabeth Warren. I covered all of the front, front runners, right? I had um, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, and Joe Biden. I did those four. I covered them. You could go back and listen to them last week. I am not going to cover the next six candidates individually, okay? I can't do it. I can't. They're, they're, all, they're all quarters, right? They're all quarters, if you look at them, there's, it's like 10 quarters lined up. It's trying to tell you a little bit about each quarter, but they're all the same. They are. They literally are all the same. If you look at Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, if you look at their websites, if you look at the things that they're talking about, they're pretty much saying the same stuff. Joe Biden, same thing. He's just saying it in a little bit lighter of a way. He's like Diet Coke. He's like a quarter that... Um, He's like the standard quarter that you've seen. You know, the ones that they made before they started doing the states or the the national parks on the back, like the normal quarter. He's that guy, right? He's just the normal quarter. He's a politician. And then you got Elizabeth Warren. You look at her, she's still a quarter, nice and shiny, right? You flip her over, she's got a little bit different stuff on there, but it's pretty much the same thing. It'll get you the same amount of stuff, you know? Not much. It won't get you much, but these people are promising as much as they can. So I'm not going to cover every single politician that's going to be on that debate stage because, like, I can't do a whole day of them. I can't. I, I started to do it, and I started to realize myself, this is just getting tedious because they're all saying the same stuff. For example, the person I was doing my research on today was Julian Castro. He was the... Um, he was the he was on Obama in the Obama administration. He was the Housing and Urban Development Secretary, right? And he's running. He's from Texas, and uh, I was looking him over, and uh, his campaign website has all the same stuff that Bernie Sanders is talking about. All the same stuff that Elizabeth Warren is talking about. Not much different. He wants to look at the environment. He wants to give Medicare for all. He wants to do all that stuff, right? Same stuff. The only thing that I saw different on his campaign website he did not bring up at all not once anything to do with foreign policy anything to do with ending the wars anything to do with bringing the troops home nothing not a zilch and i was just looking i was like he doesn't even care about that julian castro but maybe you know what that's not his expertise that's not what he knows he does no no clue anything about foreign policy i guess so he just stayed off of it, and it's nowhere found on his website. And then the only other thing that I thought on there was the very first policy statement on his website was this. He wants to get the government involved in protecting dogs and cats, I guess. Like, if you're abusing your dog and cat, like, it's on his website that we need to treat animals better. Like, that is the number one policy agenda that he has. Now, I mean, you know his policy is, he's from Texas, right? And he's an Hispanic gentleman. So the number one thing that he's looking for is 
has to do with um, helping people that are illegal immigrants and helping our immigration policy. Like he wants to change the immigration policy. He's also was the housing and urban, you know, housing and urban development secretary for the Obama administration. So he is an expert in that. So he talks about like having affordable housing as a right in America, that it's your right to have affordable housing. Now we know what happens when the government gets involved in making sure that everyone has affordable housing, right? What happens? You get giant projects built in New York City. You get giant projects built all over the country. And you look at those projects now, not a single dime of capital investment has gone into those things ever since they've been built. So they're because they were built with federal money, federal aid, right? But over time, those things, yeah, they look great for about five years. But you know a house after 10 years, apartment after 10 years, starts to get raggedy, starts to get run down. 20 years later, nobody wants to live in them, right? So these things are built in the 50s. After about 1960s, 1970s, they start to get run down. Still no money's put into them. By the 80s, drugs are sold in them. People are the highest crime in, the, in, in in America is in the projects. I remember when I was growing up in Connecticut, you would be scared to go down to the projects. Like you don't go down to the projects, no, not a, not a chance because that's where the drug dealers are at. That's where the crimes at. That's where people are shot at. So we know what happens when you have housing as a right, and the government starts building homes for people or apartments for people. Is that, yeah, they work out great for five years, 10 years, maybe even 15 years, but no new capital investment goes into those projects over time. And then you have crime. You have situations where nobody wants to live there. People are stuck there because their housing is subsidized. That's what happens. That's the way it will happen if he gets involved in housing as well. That's just the way it will be. Because no new capital will go into it. But that's that's Julian Castro, guys. And that's it. He doesn't talk anything about foreign policy whatsoever. He wants to make sure that your dogs are safe and taken care of, I guess. Which is weird that the federal government should not be involved in anything that has to do with ant, like the Humane Society. Come on, man. Come on. But that's that's the number one thing I was thinking. And then also he has, obviously, the, the, the standard talking points of everybody else. But he is... Just another quarter in that group of 10 quarters that'll be on that stage, to be honest with you. Like, there's not much difference between him and everybody else on that stage. They're all saying the same stuff. They really are. How are they going to distinguish themselves from the rest of the pack? They're all pretty much the same. But that's the guy I was going to focus on today. So I, that's who I was going to talk about, Julian Castro. So that's the only one I really did research on. But the next couple of days, I will cover each of those other candidates, all five of them, right? I'll cover them all, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wrap it into the news a little bit as well, because um, the next five candidates. I mean, there's not much there's not much different. I might just knock all five of them out tomorrow. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't really figured it out yet. But they're like I said, there there's not much difference between each of them. So I'm not gonna get too far into that, okay? Because no no one really stands out, not at all. But the last thing I want to talk about today, because this was interesting to me, you know how I've been saying this for a while. All of the candidates 
they're trying to one-up each other, right? Joe Biden wants to one-up Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren wants to give up more free stuff than Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders wants to give up more free stuff than the next guy down the road. Like, they're all, it's like an auction. They're all trying to auction off your stuff, your money, your tax money. What can I give people with your tax money? So, Bernie Sanders, the other day, I read a tweet of his, and then it was kind of like, I think it becomes this new policy, and he's starting to work up some new policy around this, that he is going to forgive all medical debt. That's his policy. He's, he's, his goal is to forgive all medical debt. So, it, this comes from um, a news article I read. It says, the plan, which the Sanders campaign says was cancel $81 billion in existing past medical debt and make changes to the 2005 bankruptcy bill, is not expected to be released in, t- in its entire until next month. The proposal, which is still in the works, separates the Senator's Medicare for All plan and is meant to address debt under the current system. It does not explicitly state how Sanders will eliminate medical debt, but says under this plan, the federal government will negotiate and pay off past due medical bills and collections that have been reported to collection credit agencies. So somehow they're going to go in there and negotiate all of your debt. Now, it is true. If you have debt and collections, you can call, especially if it's been like a month or two or three or a while. You can call, and sometimes they'll, you can negotiate pennies on the dollar. Like if you owe $1,000, you might be able to negotiate down to, $500 or even $400, sometimes even $300. Depends upon, you know, how good you are for it. So the government could technically go in there and call all these credit agencies and say, hey, man, Jim Bob over here, he has $10,000 in debt. Will you take a grand? Like the government could technically do that. But then again, all that does, so Bernie Sanders is about to get elected, right? You got medical debt? Boom. The best thing you could do at this point is just stop paying it. Let it go into collections because you know Bernie's going to take care of it, right? That's a a terrible incentive, man, that that you should just do that. I don't know. I mean, to me, yeah, people go into bankruptcy over medical debt. That does happen. It is true. It's a fact. But then again, bankruptcy over medical debt it's probably the best thing that can happen to you if you have so much of it because then it allows you to slowly pay it off. But if you're paying, I mean, not the best thing that can happen to you. That, that, sounds, that sounds stupid, actually. I can't say that. But it's something that people, it's a tool that people use in order to control that debt. So it allows them to slowly pay it off over time. Yeah, it's a tool that people use. I had a lot of medical debt, debt from something that happened to me a long time ago. I had a lot. In the Mayo Clinic, they called me up and they said, hey, you have a lot to pay off. You have this huge medical bill. How much can you pay? What can you do? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, 75 bucks a month? And they're like, okay, can we set it on auto pay? Yes. Slowly, I paid that off. Interest-free, by the way. Zero interest. It was going to take me years to pay it off. Years. I won't say too much more than that. But it was going to take me years to pay it off. And they said, I said, I could afford $75 a month. I could have said 50 
crap, I could have said $25. They would have taken anything. And that's it. They took, they took what I said, 75 bucks a month, and I started paying it and paying it and paying it. It was on auto pay. And it, and, and it, was, it eventually gets paid off. Anybody can do that, guys. Anybody can do that. Most medical companies, most hospitals, they'll take whatever you can give them, you know? And that's it. So, I mean, there, there is no secret. If, you, if it goes into collections, a lot of times you can call up or they can call you. And you can say, well, I just don't have that kind of money, guys. I don't have $1,000. What will you take? And they'll give you their rock bottom. They'll say, oh, we'll take 800 I don't have that. How about 500 And they'll usually take it. Can you pay it now? No, no. Will you take $500? I can pay you $100 a month for the next five months. Okay, great. And then set it up like that. There's lots of things you can do, but you don't need to get the federal government involved in it. I don't need to go any further than that. The federal government does not need to be involved in this stuff. It's a perverse incentive to people if they know that Bernie Sanders is going to take care of it to just stop paying on it. And then all of a sudden, Bernie Sanders is not get elected or Bernie Sanders can't get that through Congress. And all of a sudden, all these people, because they think that Bernie Sanders is going to take care of it for them, are in collections on medical debt that they could have just taken care of on their own slowly over time. Medical, medic, medicine and medical care is an expensive life. You know it's going to happen. So plan accordingly. And if things go south, then slowly pay it off over time. I mean, that's just that's being a responsible human being and not looking to the government every single time something bad happens in your life. Because it's not the government's it's not the government's job to take care of you. Because all the government is is society and a group of people that think that they're in charge, right? That's it. And that's all government is is people who think they're in charge, right? And they're going to sit there and try to use that tax money to their benefit. And one thing that they're going to do is try to one up each other. And that's all Bernie Sanders is doing in this world. In this campaign is he's trying to figure out one more thing that he could one up Elizabeth Warren on to try to buy a few more votes. And that's it. That's all he's doing. But when the government spends money on something, that's society that's been taxed, that money's been taken from them, and they're trying to spend it on something to buy more votes. That's what they're trying to do. So anyway, I'm not going to go much further on that. As a libertarian, the libertarian stance on this type of stuff is less government, less involvement. If there is challenges that people have to pay their medical bills, if we lived in a free society, there would really be, it really would come down to people getting together in communities, coming together to help each other out. But nowadays, everyone looks to the federal government for that help. And it's going to break, it's going to break the government. The government's in 22, almost $23 trillion in debt. And it's going to continue to go higher and higher if we keep on asking the government to do more and more. Guys, what I keep telling you is this. We need to change their culture. We need to change society. We need to change the way that people look at their government. We need to change the expectations that people have of their government. And the only way to do that is to get out there and tell your friends about liberty. Show your friends about liberty. We can start creating things that are going to help people outside of government. I mean, there's lots of those. I mean, I think Tom Woods features a few of these ever so often on his show of people that are out there helping other people 
to sidestep government and we go help them directly. And that's what we can do. If people need help, help them directly. We need to come together as communities and start creating these things. I mean, it's not a libertarian thing. It's helping each other. Churches do it all the time. Charities do it all the time. It's our job. If we don't want government to step in, if we don't want politicians to step in, then we need to start changing the culture. And when a politician says, I'm here to help, you'll be like, nope, we already got it taken care of. Don't worry. Nope, we don't think government should do that. Don't worry. You know what? You're going to keep on promising we're going to vote you out of office because we think that the government should not do that kind of stuff. That's what we should be doing, all right? So that's all I got, guys. I appreciate you continuously listening to the show every single day. If it's your first time listening, like what you heard, you know what? Go to give me a, you know, go and subscribe to the show. And if you continue to listen to the show and you haven't done it already, give me a five-star rating and review on whatever podcast you're listening through. I'm on all of them. So Apple, Google, Stitcher, you know, every, pretty much everywhere else. So go ahead and give me a five-star rating and review if you can. And uh, subscribe to the show. Keep on coming back, all right? Um, IonTheEmpire.com is my website. If you want to follow me, you can do that. And you can also check, check me out at IonTheEmpire. If you type that into Facebook and Twitter, you'll find me there as well. And then rate at IonTheEmpire.com. You can email me if you have some stories to tell of what you're doing for the libertarian movement, all right? And then come on back tomorrow, and you will have clear vision for 2020. Hey guys, I'm excited to announce the new podcast I'm coming out with called First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. Now, if you're not a salesperson, then it might not be for you. But if you are a salesperson, or if you know another salesperson, go ahead and direct them towards this show. It's going to be a show that is based upon helping somebody that's in their first year in sales, or maybe even somebody that is in sales already and just wants to brush up on some of the sales skills that they need in order to be successful. I'm focusing on habits and also different parts of the sales process in order to help people to become more successful in their sales job. So like I said, if you know somebody that's in sales, or if you yourself are in sales, go ahead and check out this podcast. It's on all of your podcatchers, anything that you would listen to. And that is called First Year in Sales with Ray Ian.